Hey guys, and welcome back to Talking with Shadows, the conversation everybody has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Waitley. And Marcus D. And guys, we want to give a big shout out to the twoest new patrons to the One Candle family. Wait, the, wait, wait. Do you just say the twoest new the, patrons? The, like no, I are, said the two newest. It sounded like you said twoest. Do I, you know what? They are? They're the twoest that are the coolest right now to me. <laughs> That's what it is. I don't care if I mispronounce they it. They are more two than anyone else out there. I was overwhelmed by how much support they gave us that I was overwhelmed and I lost the ability to speak. <laughs> well, thank you, you very much. Ooh, ooh, jerk. Um, big shout out to our two newest patrons. Are you ready now? I'm ready. Alan N. and Gar Prieto. I think I said your last name right. I apologize if I butcher it. Trust me, my real last name is butchered all of the time. So I get it. Thank you guys so much for uh, becoming patrons. We appreciate it so much. Uh, speaking of patrons, uh, we want to make sure that you guys know uh, that we still have our poll going for our fan name that we're looking for people to vote in uh, to see what we're going to call our fans. It's still currently a tie between Shades and Candlelight Drifters. Mm -hmm. With Truth Seekers coming up right behind it. Uh, and guys, this poll is open to anybody who goes on to our Patreon in order to vote in it. You don't have to be a patron to vote. Uh, you just have to have an account with Patreon in order to vote in it. But being a patron doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't. But it's still uh, but it's still free just to make an account if you guys want to, to go on uh, and vote uh, on there. Big news. Uh, oh, no, before we get to the news, we need to, uh, we need to uh, tell everybody what we're going to be drinking today. Okay, today we are busting into one of my favorite drinks of all time. It is a pear cider called Recorder Lake, and they are stupid, stupid, stupid good. I was I was with Vic when he found this here in Evansville, and he, like, lost his mind. Well, you couldn't get it in the United States for a really long time, and importing was really expensive. <laughs> so he is, uh, yeah, he talked this up a lot, so we're going to see how this goes. Here's to you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, cheers to you guys. Oh man, that's so good. Actually, that is pretty good. I normally it make like really a good. I normally make like a sour face and just go oh, and then complain about it. But this is actually pretty good. Okay, if you guys have a chance, grab some Recorder Lig. You will not regret it. It is uh -huh. a delicious, delicious pear cider. Was it? I thought for what was it? Pear was the flavor that you hated of apple. No, it was the peach. No, peach. Peach. Was peach. I don't peach, like peach. 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 I love pear flavored things. Okay, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, oh, and guys, we're going to dedicate uh, this episode to uh, all of our listeners in Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, I was uh, checking out uh, the, the analytics and stuff for, uh, uh, for our podcast, and we found out we had a large number of listeners, surprisingly, uh, out of Pennsylvania. So I said, hey, why don't we do some cryptids from Pennsylvania? <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, this episode is for you guys. So... Um, we're going to get into the comments. We're going to get into the comments from our last episode where we did the uh, the story of the Travis Walton uh, UFO incident. One of the biggest uh, UFO abduction stories uh, that's out there. So uh, people commented on it. So we're going to go over a couple of our favorite ones, by the way. Uh, Kaladin said, by far one of my favorite podcasts. Excited to listen to this one. Also, no worries, guys. Life happens and we all understand. 
We appreciate that a lot. Yeah, we were uh, we were one episode uh, down for this month. Oh yeah, there's just way too much stuff going on. We yeah. just could not make it happen. But even though we were an episode down go, uh, this month, guys, uh, we discovered that this month we have already uh, reached more episodes uh, than the last two months. We've mm. actually this is the this is the the best month that we've had so far. You mean more downloads? Downloads, yeah. But this is the best month that we've had so far uh, for getting people to listen to our stuff. So we want to appreciate that so much, guys. Oh yeah, thank yeah. you guys so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys made this our best month so far, and this is the last episode that's going up for the month. So awesome. A libertarian guitarist whose music was featured in our last episode. Said, awesome guys, thank you for the shout out too. Uh, absolutely, he's got some fantastic uh, music. We put a link to his uh, music in our last uh, video as well. And please, if you get a chance, wander over there and check some of his stuff out. It's pretty cool. Absolutely, we also featured it. Uh, he was actually on uh, our YouTube channel with uh, with me when we did an ep uh, episode on Bob Lazar. And a lot of his music is also featured on that one too. Uh... Minglis, I think that's how you said that. 81 Tay says, Gary was a hero. Uh, absolutely a big big hero for coming forward. Uh, probably in a time in which uh, not everybody was really welcoming of people coming forward with many of their paranormal experiences. So absolutely, I think Gary definitely was a trailblazer, I think, of people coming forward uh, with, some of their very, with some of their personal uh, paranormal encounters. Gray 9438 said in almost every interview i've seen with travis walton he makes a point to oh i just realized that he was the, the minglis was talking about uh gary mckinnon oh i just okay. realized that yeah okay. I, w I was seeing here trying to figure out what you're talking oh, about there yeah so that sec. was my bad my bad i thought he was talking about travis when he's talking about gary mckinnon who was the computer hacker yeah, yeah. whose comments we were talking about from the previous episode before that uh gary was also a hero too but travis walton is still it, I still think he's a hero for coming forward with, with talking about his uh, personal experiences. Okay, sorry. Gray9438 said, almost any, On almost every interview I've seen with Travis Walton, uh, he makes a point to mention his monetary gain off, uh, off this uh, event has been very little. I don't know if he's putting uh, that out as an... Sorry, I was having trouble reading that. As an argument against debunkers, or if he's just trying to hide his motive, if it is a hoax. I think for the most part, what he's trying to say is, well, if I did this to make money, it clearly didn't work out. Maybe that's not why, why I did it. That's at least my assumption when he says that, because I know what you're talking about. He doesn't mention that a lot. Um, like I said, I think during the episode, either... He did not do this to make money. This was an actual event, or he did a very bad job. <laughs> <laughs> but I personally, I actually, I actually don't think he made it up. I think the man at least experienced some very real trauma. Absolutely, and we even got a comment about this on our Facebook page uh, that I'm also going to read as well. Point down, point down. There it is. Man, if I could replace my blood with this recorder leg. I would probably die. Yeah. But uh, I would do it anyways. Uh, Colleen Rennell Newholy said, got to speak with Travis at one point during the radio program that I helped co-host. Uh, was a brilliant time. Um, a lot of people have commented uh, about how um, how nice of a guy 
that Travis is. I mean, we're just looking at him like he just seems like a really nice guy. Like he looks like a nice grandpa that like gives you a trash bag full of stuffed animals that he went from a claw machine. <laughs> like, like you know. I would love to interview the guy. I mean, he seems very congenial. He seems very easy yeah. to talk to. He's very, uh, very colloquial when it comes mm-hmm. down to it, and I'm all about, I'm all about that. Yeah. Okay. Again, thank you guys so much for all of the comments. We super, super appreciate it. So always make sure you guys leave comments on our episode below because we love going over them um, at the beginning of every new episode. And you have some news for I us. Do, I do. I do. I do. So getting into uh, the episode for today, there's some big stuff in the uh, paranormal news that just came out. Uh, so recently, the New York Times wrote a real big article um, that was talking about a um, not technically a covert uh, government program, but a program that was dealing with classified uh, material talking about UFOs. They actually were talking about the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force that's overseen by the Office of Naval Intelligence. That's a mouthful. I know, that was a mouthful. I had to write that down so that I would be able to say that. I'm like, I tried memorizing that, but that was not an easy thing to memorize. Um, apparently, uh, what these guys were uh, were tasked to do was to standardize the collection and reporting on sightings of unexplained aerial vehicles and was to report on at least some of its findings now to the public uh, within the next 180 days uh, after the uh, new uh, a new... Legislation from Congress was passed to release the information on it. Do you think they're going to dry the feet, make it take the whole time? Um, probably. I mean, a lot. So, most government officials, when they're commenting, uh, when they were commenting on it, like Harry Reid, who's a former senator from Nevada, um, and Marco Rubio, both of them were talking about that a lot of what these guys what they do is they go out and they investigate this aerial phenomenon because they think that it could be a foreign uh, country like coming up with some sort of like foreign aircraft that could be like spying on us or maybe they've developed some new technology and and they're trying to identify it. But at the same time, people that have come forward that have been part of the project, such as... Luis Elianzando, I think I said that right, who is a former military intelligence officer uh, who worked in the program for 10 years, confirmed that the uh, that one of the things that it was was that, that they are convinced that objects of undetermined origin have crashed on Earth with materials that have been retrieved for study. So that there have been things that have crashed on Earth that we don't know what they are. There was another person that they interviewed for it as well, a guy by the name of Eric Davis, who's an astrophysicist, uh, who worked as a contractor uh, for the for the Pentagon, that was called to testify on a lot of the, some of the debris that they found. And what he said was he couldn't talk specifically about what he was called to testify on because a lot of this stuff was classified, but he said that we have found stuff that we don't know what it is. So I'm super eager to see what's going to come out in the next 180 days. So we'll get a word on it in, you know, a half year oh, or I know, right? more. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll follow an extension <laughs> or something. I really, really, really want to see what it comes out with. Because the thing is, with a little bit of information, we don't know if it's kind of a bit of a cocktease. Because maybe they're just talking about asteroids and things like that. It could be. But, but I'm, the- ho- I'm hoping for some juicy information. Well- it, the way that gets like the whole the whole month of like July and June this summer, we've we've seen things come forward. We've seen all these articles that come out with the U.S. government talking about how 
that they're releasing, yeah, there have been unidentified flying objects, and that there are these secret U.S. programs that are designed to investigate these things that are coming forward, and all of our collective response was, yeah, we know. Well, <laughs> like, none of us are surprised one, at all. One of the things I'm wondering about is if they know they're going to have to leak this or give this information out eventually, they're pushing to make it happen now since we're all very distracted with so many other things. Because you, you got to admit, guys, this is a turbulent time right now. No matter what position you have, things are kind of rough. And I could see them being like, you know, if we're going to have to put this out, let's do it now because no one's going to pay attention. No, no. We all know that 2020 has been a massive dumpster fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm calling it now. August is aliens. <laughs> I am calling it now. They're just getting us ready for full disclosure. August, you mark my words, 2020, August 2020 is going to be aliens. I, I'm about getting this information, though. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to this. Or maybe they're just, you know, maybe since we've always talked about aliens or, you know, it's they're, it's not in our best interest if they come here. Maybe they're just saving it for, like, the, the finale in December. I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I am not up for, after the year we've had, I am not ready for an alien invasion. We need to push that stuff back. It's been just too much, guys. Too much. Dial back on the catastrophes. <laughs> All right. All right. So, I... I <laughs> I think watch I think, out, guys. Twenty twenty is coming. Uh, it's coming. It's not done yet. No, uh, but we're but we're but we're dedicated to staying, to just bringing to you guys as much paranormal content as we can until oh. the aliens come and <laughs> enslave us all. Oh yeah, like when we initially said like, oh, we're just going to start doing it, doing the podcast every week to give you guys some entertainment during the coronavirus thing. We thought this would be a month, <laughs> and here we are. In July, still dedicated to it. Truthfully, I I'm kind of glad we did because I kind of like the weekly format. What do you think? I, I I do too. I'm hoping at this point, if we all get rounded up and get put into FEMA camps, that me and you end up in the same FEMA camp, and oh, that I way we so. that way we can still put out our podcast. <laughs> like coming to you live from the Target FEMA camp. <laughs> it's talking with shadows. Oh God. Okay. Okay. Let's. Let's get into what we're talking about. I did. We uh, we got off track a little bit. Um, so I thought, guys, today that we could talk uh, about something from Pennsylvania. Like, get into some Pennsylvania cryptids. And fun fact for this, Vic really wanted to do these Pennsylvania cryptids. And I, and I started researching it immediately, coming up, trying to come up with some ideas. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'll come up with some ideas for you. Four days later, like a day before we're going to start to record, he's like, oh, let's do these instead. And I'm like... Really? Like, you waited this long to tell me? Oh, come on. Well, the thing is, like, you just pulled four off the top of your hat. The thing is, you didn't do any digging to make sure we could talk about them or how much there was to the story. Fun fact, I pulled half the list of what he wanted to talk about today when I was coming up with them. He doesn't remember this, but I, I literally said half you, you the did. list he you, came you up with me. You did guess half the list because you just popped up a list of Pennsylvania cryptids and started listing off names. I did. And yeah, because of what I thought you would be interested in, and then you came up with what you wanted to do, and this is what it is. But, but but at the same time, I also checked to make sure there was enough information for it to be interesting. Yeah, but we like, but we like delving into the weird stuff that people don't know about. Yeah, and I think we have four... Really obscure ones research. I don't know how many we're going to get to go through today, yeah. but all these are, I'd almost guarantee, unless you guys are from these areas, you're unlikely to know about any of these. Yeah, like, so the, the first one that we're going to talk about is the Butler Gargoyle, which on the surface, if you just search it initially, looks like there's not a lot you can talk about this cryptid. And that's not true. 
a lot of times, guys, when you when you're like surfing stuff in the paranormal, and there's and it doesn't look initially like on like on Cryptid Wiki or stuff like that that there's a whole lot on it. You can dig a little deeper, and you start finding this treasure trove of nuggets, and you start finding all of this weird mm. stuff about it. Like, like we came to find uh, when we were investigating uh, the Butler Gargoyle. Like going on YouTube, which is where I like to start a lot of my investigations, because I like to see what are people talking about now. There was one video, and it's a minute and thirteen seconds long. I actually didn't check YouTube on this one. That's no, weird that was for a, me. Yeah, I, I did. I did. Look, well, there's just one. And it's pretty much just somebody just reading off the crypt wiki. Like, essentially, like, about it, like, giving a general description and where it's from. Yeah, after doing some research on these, I didn't even check YouTube because I'm like, ah, I really don't think YouTube's going to have anything about any of these guys. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But okay. Let's get into the butler gargoyle. Okay. So, at first glance, the, the butler gargoyle at first glance gains its popularity in uh, June 19, between 1993 and March 2011. Okay, and, the, and March 2011 is kind of when it it first takes off, and I think that's when the the the, the big story that most people know about it uh, first uh, first gets reported. There's a researcher by the name of Stan Gordon, who is a researcher out of uh, Pennsylvania. Which you, if you guys. Uh, have never heard of this guy, go over to his website because he does a ton, ton of stuff on uh, UFOs as well as cryptids uh, in the Pennsylvania area. He does. And he gets the initial report um, that most people are familiar with when it comes to the uh, Butler Gargoyle. Uh, a man reaches out to him that said that he was that he was driving, and I'm gonna read it for you because it's a really cool, uh, it's a really cool story. It was on March 18th, 2011. The incident occurs on a rural road in Butler County between Chicora and East Brady, which, if you don't know where that area is of Pennsylvania, it's kind of like northwest, like mid northwest of the Pennsylvania area. And a businessman was passing through the area. And said that as he was driving down the road, uh, when he observed something on the right side of the road in a grassy area. And at first what he thought was he saw was a deer. Uh, and he stepped out on the gas to get closer to get a better view of it. And he said he got about 50 yards from the from the creature. And he when he observed it, it was hunched down and then it stood up. The first thing he describes that is he noticed that it was a very muscular creature. And uh, the creature never looked at him, so he had a hard time gating exactly what the front of his face looked like. But he said that the physical description of it is that the the head, the the, the face was flat, but that the head uh, was pointed towards the back. And the the kind of the, it's kind of pointed towards the back, kind of like with those uh, those power walkers. Or well, think about like um, if you're watching like the Tour de France, those really fancy bike helmets they have sometimes. Where it kind of trails off long and has an almost almond shape to the top part. Mm-hmm. That that's that's what how I envision what he's yeah. describing. Yeah, and it's kind of either like I'm thinking it was I don't know if it was either gray or it was kind of brownish, but you could tell that the thing had pointed ears. It had extremely muscular legs, um, and that they looked like they kind of bent backwards. And I think I know what they're saying when they say they think it bent, They think the leg bends backwards. I don't think they're saying like it's like an ostrich leg. I think they're saying the leg is highly digitated. 
Um, like imagine your foot, but then with the foot being really long and you walking up on your toes, kind of like um, like a wolf's foot or something along those lines. Or a raptor. Or a raptor, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good description of what I get in my head. Um, and then he also said that there were it had a, a big pair of wings on its back that was tucked up towards its body. Um, and then he only saw it for a couple seconds before it took off into the woods. And at first glance, that's all it seems to be um, the, the biggest story that it, that it comes to the Butler Gargoyle. And it seems like that's the end of it. But in actuality, there are tons of other reports of people in, the Pens like in that Pennsylvania region that reported seeing this creature at the time. Um, and isn't there another colloquial name for it? I think it's called the Chikora, yeah, Chikora Mothman. Mothman. It's another sighting, and that report comes uh, from another two guys that are leaving a bar, and they report seeing a, a creature um, that is that that was that, that that had that a similar match to it as well. Yeah, but those are in real close proximity. Mm -hmm. And at that, all these are not very far from Point Pleasant. I think like this region is within a hundred miles of Point Pleasant too. Mm -hmm. And. If you go and search the web and like from from people that have been collecting stories from this section of Pennsylvania, they've talked about that there are tons of other farmers that are out in that area that have all had similar uh, encounters with this creature. You know that they've encountered some sort of a winged, grayish, brownish creature with these extremely muscular legs and arms uh, and, and wings running around. Yeah, and some of the researchers say that they consistently get like isolated reports of these sort of entities. So this seems to be a ongoing sort of situation. And what makes the Butler Gargoyle different than most other winged humanoid stories, first for me that I caught is I noticed that there is no story that I've seen of the Butler Gargoyle of it flying. Yeah, almost every account seems to be it walking, but the wings do seem to be visible. And this whole thing strikes me as being very odd. Mm-hmm. And, and another thing, too, that it says is that they, if, if you listen to accounts of it, it's not like typical winged humanoid or Mothman sightings, because in a lot of those stories, they also, they always give you that same strange description of it having glowing eyes and razor-sharp fangy teeth or some, or, or things like that. But in, in the Butler Gargoyle stories, the... The, the face is kind of almost an afterthought. Like, the face is kind of, like, sunken in. And even the mouth itself is described as being, in the most descriptive accounts of it, only, like, a slit. Like, not even... Like, it not really opening its mouth or anything. Yeah, one guy even described the, the face as being almost collapsed in compared to the rest mm -hmm. of the head. Which, to me, I would take that to mean the face is very flat. Yeah. I don't think he actually means the face is concave. Yeah, like... When like when I'm thinking of, of of what the when I'm picturing in my head of what these things look like, I'm almost getting like the vampires from the priest movie, which is a terrible movie. Good comic, terrible movie. But like if they don't open their mouths and they have wings. Like they're grayish and they just crawl around and they just crawl around on the ground. I kinda get the image of like the like vampires from Skyrim. Because remember they had that oh, weird yeah, shaped yeah. head. Yeah, that's true. I don't think they fly either. Eh, they kinda float sometimes. <laughs> But another thing that I thought was odd is there's a real heavy consistency on certain f 
physical aspects of this thing reported in one you've already hit mm -hmm. that they have extremely muscular legs and that is just a very consistent thing reported the other thing being the claws the claws seem to really stick out to people as them having these long jagged claws like an issue that i've always had with flying humanoids is is is, is always like the ability that they can fly because it's not like again if it's always like, could something that size legit fly with the wing size that it has? Like, could that body shape actually fly? And if you look at stories of the butler gargoyle, they're all like super muscular, which seems to be not, you know, how birds are tend, you know, kind of tend to be and things like like because muscle weighs more than fat, so I, so you know, you're ha it's going to be even heavier than a, than a typical flying humanoid, which would make it even harder for it to fly. Beyond that, in almost every flying humanoid account the wings are just simply not feasibly big enough to allow for flight i unfortunately that's not the situation these i truthfully there's nothing about these entities that makes me think there's any plausibility of them being a biological creature unless people are dramatically misreporting what they're seeing i think there's about a zero possibility of these things being legitimate following the normal rules of earth biology Unless, unless again, what I think is, I don't think that the wings. I don't. I think it's actually a flightless creature. I, I think that this could actually be something that's a flightless creature, kind of like an ostrich. Okay, think like you, a, you've got my attention. Okay, because if you think about like about a, think of like an ostrich. Ostriches can't fly, and they have insanely powerful legs. I mean, they are straight steroid ripped looking muscular legs that one kid could kill a lion. Like, they will wreck your day. Like, you know, they have to have those muscular legs because they're always on the ground running and moving. Now, they don't have, like, arms or claws or anything like that, but to me... Well, the thing is, they don't need it. Their kicks yeah. are so powerful, they right. can defend themselves. Right. But, but that's why I think maybe this thing is so muscular, is because it's a ground creature. So and are you thinking, like, the wings are vestigial? I'm going to go with that I think I know what you mean by that and say, okay. yes, I think they are irrelevant. <laughs> they are irrelevant. The they are like penguin wings. They are for show. <laughs> well, no, ping penguins use their wings. Sorry, they they're like ostrich wings. wings. They're for show. Ostriches use their wings for de defense, intimidation, and mating. We don't know what they're for. <laughs> this vestigial basically means that it's kind of a relic. Like, whales still have, like, these tiny little legs kind of in their body sort of thing going on. If I recall correctly, I'm not a whale biologist. Mm. But, like, that would be vestigial. Like, a lot of animals have these vestigial traits. Like, uh, some, some snakes have a toe. Just one little little sad toe just hanging <laughs> off the body. Doesn't do anything. Some of them will use it for mating tickling. No kidding. Real thing. But for the most part, it's they don't serve a purpose. They're non-functional so are you thinking that the wings are just something like that? I do. I think if so, because again, it's it's so prevalent in every single one of them. Or the reason the only the only the reason that I would believe that that they could be then that muscular is maybe kind of like when we did the uh, our episode on uh, Bat Squatch, and with how like powerful their wings were, like with how like hard that they would shoot themselves into the air maybe that's what it is like they need their they need that much muscle to physically shoot themselves off the ground maybe to create that lift or something i don't, I don't know well i mean i guess if something like sasquatch could remain elusive a large ground-based creature like this probably could as well yeah but let me throw as long as we're talking about it on a biological level let me throw in my usual monkey wrench when we talk about this you do you already know where i'm going no no go ahead for everybody else okay 
nothing in the biological record has this sort of body shape. Nowhere near it. Um, vertebrates do not possess hands, legs, and wings as separate appendages. And there is just no vertebrate that has it. And this thing is clearly a vertebrate. Unless this thing has come from a unique evolutionary line that we are unaware of, and we don't know anything at all similar to it, or maybe other creatures that we consider to be mythical that had this body shape were perhaps real and is from that sort of line. I'm not saying it's not real. I just don't think it's biological. Mm. And again, I know at first it seems like we're going off of just the original guy's story, but these stories guys go back to the 70s. Like I'll, I'll even pull you guys in a story that, that came back from all the way back to 1968 in Beaver County, Pennsylvania, which is like, I think the county either directly to the, the left of it or, or, or to, uh, to Butler County or it's one of them, but it's, it's close enough to where it's like relevant. I think where was two guys were coming down, uh, route 65 at about one 30 in the morning when they saw a seven foot winged creature, just sitting in the middle of the, I think of the divided highway. And as they were going by it, it like lifted its wing up to shield uh, to shield it from I think the dust that they were kicking up as they were driving down the road. What? So I mean, it's just these are just how all of these stories go. It's just people in this rural part of Pennsylvania are just encountering these things like that. One of the other things that always strikes me as interesting is besides the claws, they're always described as having hands. It's not paws; it's hands. But claws. Yeah, with claws, and. When people describe it walking, they don't describe it lurching. And they'll talk about it being X feet tall. And there's even accounts where it's walked by signs and they've gone back and measured the sign. And they're like, we know that the sign was X feet tall. This was slightly taller than it. Mm -hmm. So this sounds very primate to me. Like it has hands. It is walking upright. This, if we're talking about this on a biological level, it would have to be fairly closely related to humans. I don't know. I think you could you can make an argument. I think for it being almost lizardy like too, because again, if it has kind of that, including the wing, that raptor-esque body where it's got like hands with claws and stuff on it when it's when it's running bipedally and stuff like that too. Well, I guess I don't know for a fact they're talking about grasping hands. Mm -hmm. Because they don't, no one's been able to get a real good look at the hands. But at the same time, we're talking about an upright posture. That's not something that you see in reptiles. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty much exclusive to primates, to the best of my knowledge. I might be wrong, but I think that's exclusive to primates. Well, didn't a lot of lizards evolve into more like modern birds, they think? Yeah, but those are birds, not uh, primates. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, but if you saw something that evolved kind of like on that line, you could see something kind of like a raptor-esque creature evolving to that. I don't know. I'm, I'm way outside my element talking with Vic on this biology stuff. I don't well, know. Well, I mean... I know, but... I would be surprised. If we're talking seriously about it, yeah, raptors did have these sort of feathers they're pretty sure of. And they could have been very thin, flaky, and kind of given the uh, appearance of fur, kind of like... If you've ever, have you ever touched a peacock feather? Mm -hmm. And you know how, like, when you get up and look close, like, the all the plumes are just, like, each its own individual hair coming off, making the pattern. Mm -hmm. It could have something like that going on, and it'd be, like, more of a proto-feather appearing like fur. But at the same time, I don't think this is very likely. Because in, in Pennsylvania, even in that area, they also have, just like they do everywhere else in rural areas, where they found, like, you know, mutilated cows and... 
and wildlife and stuff like that have. I think the reason why these things are so muscular is they're probably on a high protein diet. They would need to be. I mean, I mean, if you think you know, think about that, it has their it has these claws and stuff, and it's running around and it's eating all these cows, pigs, and chickens that are that are uh, that are out in rural Pennsylvania. It's probably like a it's probably like a buffet for them out there. Okay, I want to pull from the biological for a little bit. Okay. Okay. I do not believe that this is a biological creature, perhaps a supernatural one. And to, and to quote Dwight Schrute from The Office, if a vampire was going to go anywhere, it would make sense for them to go to a vania like Pennsylvania. Well, you know, a, a, <laughs> I can't believe you quoted The Office. <laughs> I love that this office. episode. Um, no, I, I, and going along with what you're thinking about, you know, the, the butler gargoyle, the locals in the area have a theory as to what brought these things to the area. Lay it on me. Which was the, the 1938 uh, meteor that exploded over Butler County, Pennsylvania. Hmm, I was unaware of this. Yeah. One. So June 24th, 1938, this massive meteor uh, is uh, enters the Earth's atmosphere and it explodes, like I think something like 12 miles, like right above, I think 12 miles uh, above the Earth's surface. And if this thing, they... they estimate that this meteor could probably weighed about 625 tons and if this thing had not exploded it would have wiped pittsburgh off the map like it pro probably this whole big chunk too because it was a big it was a big thing but it explodes in this huge fireball uh above uh, the, above the city of uh, above the above butler county at the time and many of the locals believe that the butler gargoyles come from that meteor and that they either jumped off, that they're alien life that came from this. And fun huh. fact, do you know they never found the actual impact site for it? Well, if it exploded above ground... Well, sorry, there were chunks be... of it that landed in the ground. They, they did oh, recover okay. some chunks. Uh, there's like two big big chunks that have been found that are like in museums and stuff. But they never found the, the actual impact site for uh, either one of the chunks or some of the chunks or something like that. Mm -hmm. Huh. That's an interesting theory, but... And I don't know what these things would be biologically capable of. This could potentially explain some of the oddities in their biological structure. But living, if it if it's an asteroid, it's going that's going to be an extremely hostile surface to any form of known life. Now, if it's actually a ship or something, yeah, and this is something that survived it. Now that that I could potentially buy. Yeah, we're we're in way hypothesis here because I was gonna make the argument like maybe it was just a ship, and then they were just covering it for saying that it was a meteor. Which is what the government has been prone to do. At yeah, times I, I would believe that. I believe yeah. this, that they would do this. The government, for years, have been call. I've been calling, you know, you know, UFO craft meteors, when it just obviously wasn't a meteor. Now, I'm not gonna lie. I have no reason to believe that 1938 th th a fireball that exploded over um, Beaver County was a ship. I have no reason to believe that. Uh, but again, if if it was, I would totally believe that's how they would cover it up. What if I told you there's something in folklore that fits this fairly closely? <gasps> a vampire raptor. <laughs> what? No. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> I have never heard of a vampire raptor let in me, anyone's folklore. Let me dream. Okay. Or nightmare. But you're half right. You're half right. I was half right with vampire raptor? It is considered to be a type of vampire. Oh, okay. It's, have you heard of a strigoi? Wait, is that from uh, 
is, is that from like uh, like the Indonesia Philippines area? Like no, no, area? no, East, Eastern Europe. Oh, Eastern Europe. It's a form of Eastern European vampire that's described fairly differently than many of the other uh, vampire types. Mm-hmm. Strigoi are often um, more bestial, often have more feral hints to them. Notable claws. Um, the few depictions we have often show them like with having muscular, a very muscular body. And are not like the pretty handsome going to seduce you vampires. Also, many other vampires from that sort of Eastern European area take on a much more bestial feral tone than, say, Western European vampires. They're often like these large lurching horrors that live out in the woods. Mm-hmm. And in the truest sense, vampire might not be the best word to call them. Many people do classify them as that, but they're really more of what would be considered a revenant or a white, but still generally considered to be an undead sort of creature. Gotcha. I was thinking of an ass wang. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, except that's actually, that has not, that does not look like those at all. Ass wings are more like vampire women that... Seduce yeah, you yeah. or steal you in the night. <laughs> but don't they have wings? I'm trying to remember. They do have wings. They okay. do have wings. But they, they are very obviously not looking like this. They're they're more human-like than what these things are made out to be. But, I mean, they do have a fairly Strigoi-esque appearance. Um, some European references to Strigoi will describe them as having traits like wings, although not consistently. I'm The more that we look into more winged humanoids... The more that I'm just inclined to believe that I think skinwalkers is a more common phenomenon across the world than just the southwest United States. I don't know. I still don't buy that they're skinwalkers. Um, they check it out. They're they're out in rural areas. Yeah. They're out they're out in rural areas. They're winged creatures that aren't necessarily flying. There's something that's just very off putting by them. They're and. The only thing that's kind of different than, I guess these are less hostile than normal skinwalker encounters. Skinwalker encounters tend to be much more hostile, and these things tend to be not caring so much. But yeah, but I a, guess. a skinwalker is a supernaturally empowered witch that can use a pelt to turn into an animal. This is some sort of strange hybrid thing. I, I've been inclined to believe that I think that you true. But we have also talked a lot about on this channel about how there's more weird occultic activity that goes on in rural communities than what people let that on is to. True. That people let on. That people are aware of. How close is this? Is around the Appalachia area, isn't it? Yes. There is so okay. When it comes to themes of rural witchcraft, which when you're studying like the history of occultism, rural witchcraft is its own bizarre category of incredibly fascinating views when it comes to uh, the occult. There is a strain of rural witchcraft, which is uh, Appalachian. Mm-hmm. And it gets weird, 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 weird. Yeah. If a skinwalker, if you're going to tell me a skinwalker was screwing around trying to turn itself into some sort of horrid abomination, I would buy uh, the yeah. Appalachia area. And I know there's there's general known ways that people, that people, that skinwalker witches turn themselves into witches. But I also think there's more than one path up that mountain. Than what people than what people are probably aware of, and I think it's more of a theme than what people let on. This has just been my running theory along the podcast. I'm not. I haven't landed that thought plane yet. I don't. I don't know. I'm still not buying that these sort of gargoyle s sort of creatures are skinwalkers. I think they are their own bizarre entity. Mm-hmm. Um, 
whether it be maybe something more akin to a vampire or maybe being something like a demon yeah. or being some sort of enigmatic monster that we don't fully understand, kind of how many people view Mothman, or maybe even just like gargoyles. Yeah, I, I know that I'm probably lumping too much stuff in probably into the Skinwalker basket. I think you want to see Skinwalkers, so you see Skinwalkers. No, 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 but maybe. But I, I think that... I just, that's the thing. I don't think that these are the entities that are like Mothman. I think it's very different. I don't think there's enough of a connection. I just think it's just weird creatures with wings. Yeah, but I would still say that they're in a similar classification. Maybe not the same thing as Mothman, but some somewhere I feel like there's a connection. Maybe in description. Well, I, yeah, and the size is roughly ish, correct. The ish. body set. Okay, yeah, well, that's why I said roughly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll use ish. The yeah, body shape is ish ish connected. Yeah. The behavior is ish ish similar. I'm going to stop doing this. I, I, yeah. I hate doing it's, that. It's ish light. <laughs> in, in my assumption on this. But I think they're more similar than they are different, although there are differences to be noted. D does it ever surprise you how many of the instances literally have these things just minding their own business? Yes, it's yeah. it's weird, guys. Like again, when you're when you're when you're looking at all of these instances of the paranormal, look for the connections. Look look for the similarities because you, you start getting like a behavior profile. In all of these instances, these things are literally just standing on the road, standing by the road, or just leave. They don't, they don't care. My thought on the road thing is this: roads often cut into and intrude on wilderness areas. Like there are large expanses of wilderness where the only reason anyone would be exposed to anything within that wilderness would be traveling on a road. It's kind of the border point between them. I think that's why they're so often sighted at roads. Well, this is also just a lot of rural areas. The you know it's so it's not generally traversed by people. The only places that people tend to travel frequently in these are roads. I also think that's another reason why why we're seeing a lot of these stories uh, with it on the road. And as far as they mind their own business, I mean, if they have an animal s pattern of behavior, the large animals we still have exist because they mainly avoid humans. Like, can you think of any intrusive large animals in the city? No, because they're smart enough to avoid oh, yeah. it. The largest thing we get is, like, geese. Yeah, that's true. And in the wilderness, for the most part, it either has to be something that breeds like crazy, like deer, because deer are intrusive when you mm -hmm. live on a farm and things like that, but they will outbreed as many as you kill. Or the things that stay isolated, like bears, mountain lions... And what happens to a bear or mountain lion when they wander too close to civilization? They get shot. Yeah, they get <laughs> shot. I mean, I think a intelligent large animal knows to avoid population centers of humans. Because that's how they survive. If they didn't avoid those large areas, they would already be extinct. Do you want to get into our final thoughts on these things? Yeah, because I'm looking forward to the extended segment because it goes right with what you're talking about. This was a story that I almost glanced over, but then I noticed some odd details and kept digging and started to find some interesting connections. I'm looking forward to talking about this. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and jump in. For me, I am... I... I, I always... I always get stuck on this whole weird thing of how come we have if, if there's so many if there's so many people that see them, 
but we don't have like bodies what's the reason for that and is that it has to be able to hide somewhere and maybe it's just hiding somewhere in plain sight you know i think the more that we've done this podcast we have found that there are similarities across cultures and in one of the, and in many of these cultures there are people that have the ability to turn into these weird winged monster-esque creatures at one point or another and then turn back into regular people and i think that that might actually explain why we're not finding the bodies of these things so you're thinking it's some form of shape-shifting yep i do i could buy that as a possibility mm-hmm. i couldn't i could never explain it as a biological function yeah. but i would assume it's rooted in the supernatural mm-hmm. but interesting my thoughts are this We've talked a lot about various flying humanoids, and although this one hasn't been seen flying, it does have wings, so I'm going to lump it in there with them. I think these things are real. I think there's too much consistency in the reports from the NASA gargoyle to Mothman to Batsquatch. I think these things are real. I don't think that they are biological entities. I think these are some sort of supernatural, extra-dimensional, or extraterrestrial entity. They just do not close enough follow the laws of biology as we understand them. Even if we're going to assume they were an ancient creature. There's still nothing we know of in the paleological record that would justify these things biologically existing. Um, it's, just, it's just not in the toolbox of biological life on planet Earth as we understand it right now. So, if it's not native... Maybe they're extraterrestrial. Maybe that was a ship. Maybe they've just been surviving out in the wilderness this whole time. Or maybe they were pets or something. I think mm. more likely it's either supernatural or extra-dimensional that these things either pop in from some sort of border dimension that somehow a gate opens up to through one of these window zones and they get caught out from time to time. Or it's something supernatural like what you were saying involving shape-shifting or it being something like a Strigoi or some of the many other folkloric creatures that match a general description to this. But I'll leave that for you guys to discuss further in the comments below. Absolutely. Make sure you guys put your comments on what you guys think about this and what you guys think. Um, also, again, guys, we're going to remind you, don't forget to go over to uh, our Patreon and vote on the name of our fan base. We really, really want to make sure we get everybody's input on what you guys want us to name uh, you guys. So, until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. Now, all right, guys, we're going to move into our, what we call the pillow talk section of uh, the podcast. Uh, this is generally for uh, patrons only. We'll talk for a little while, then the music kind of trails in. If you guys want to check out the rest of this podcast, just go over to our Patreon and sign up to become a patron today. Uh, so you guys get the rest of this awesome episode. Uh, today we're going to be uh, looking at some, some more uh, Pennsylvania cryptids. Okay, guys, prepare for it to get a little slimy in here. I want to leave. <laughs> you can't. You better keep your pants on. I'm not no even promises, kidding. No promises, no promises. I'm watching you. Okay. I went down a very strange rabbit hole when researching this. I came across a myth of a creature called a monoangi. It is reported to be in the... It's named after the... Kind of... How are you going to... What okay, kind of we... spelling bee tr- bonus question 
name is this? Okay, guys, we had to pause the video for a sec because I couldn't figure out how to say the river name. Monogala River. Okay, if any of you guys are local enough to that area to know how to say this river, please let us know. Because it is a very... How do you get a river name like that in the middle of 